You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Buenos dias. Hola. Oh, oh, what is that? Buenos dias must be a new language. Good morning. Oh. Espanol. Oh, okay. So it's not a new language. I only know like eight words. So, yeah. Yes. You are hiding in what country? Uh, Spain, the Canary Islands, south the coast of uh, Africa with your, uh, your partner taking, uh, taking care of her. That would be uh, your mother? Yep. Yes. Yes. Three weeks of, uh, of things. I don't know how I survive here all alone. Andrew. Maybe Andy, maybe Andy can help me. You guys ready to start the show on time? Yeah, heck yeah. We just, we were on only for about 30 seconds. We oh, found out no. next to the Canary Islands with his mother. It is nice being super wealthy. It it really has its advantages, you know, this time of year. <laughs> hey, the guy lives on a on a small salary, man. He just knows how to how to travel. Like, what kind of play, what what are you paying for stuff that stuff, Nick? Where you're this at? Airbnb. Yeah. Oh, this one was like nine hundred for two weeks because you know she wanted something to feel comfortable. <laughs> Normally, I could get this place for a month for four hundred dollars, but you know, oh, there oh, she good is. Good morning, <laughs> Miss America. How you doing? Does, does she know we're live right now? Do you? we're live? I can't hear you. Oh, they, she can't hear you because the AirPods in. Oh, she went yeah. to sleep at seven o'clock last night. Woke up at nine thirty today. Now just took an afternoon nap, a siesta. <laughs> That's awesome. What do you guys got on the plans for today? Just beach next couple of days, getting, I think, used to the time zone. And then the bigger plans are we're going to do a little kayaking in some cool area that has a bunch of sea turtles where you can go snorkeling. And then we're going to summit the highest uh, mountain in Spain here. There's a little service that takes you all the way up there. And Oh, cool. So, yeah, a couple of plans and uh, it'll be a good little trip. That uh, You obviously didn't watch Shark Week last week. Oh, that was this. That was Shark Week this week. Yeah, and apparently uh, tiger sharks like to eat those sea turtles, so don't fall in the kayak. <laughs> we'll do. What's going on over there, guys? Uh, this market. I I don't know, Andy, about you, but it's kind of it's picked up. I mean, yeah. we're actually getting showings, we're getting offers, we're getting deals done, um, and and it wasn't the upper bracket wasn't hurting, but it was the lower stuff that was, and so. Yeah. It's uh, something, something happened, but again, people got to get used to it, kind of rebound, then all of a sudden, boom, now we're back. Well, and I think that, you know, you also have where people are re are, are new buyers are entering the marketplace as well. And, you know, people are always buying and selling. There's always adjustments being made. People are, you know, living, dying, getting divorced, you know, adding family members, taking family members away, whatever. And uh, so there's always adjustments being made. Um, I'm just, I'm saying a lot of people where new construction, uh, our models are starting to get a little traffic again, but for about a month and a half, it was slow, but historically, um, this part of July is usually slow anyway. You know what I mean? I, I, I normally see this as a great time of year for real estate agents to go on vacation, you know? And we got the parade of homes is coming up Yep. in September. So that, uh, I have a feeling that's going to be, I think it's going to be good. I think it's yeah. going to kind of get the people out of out again and uh, kind of kickstart the market. But I think we're going to see uh, stats that come out that uh, we got hit pretty hard yeah. in uh, in July. So yeah, it, it, be prepared uh, the, for you know, that. Some of those numbers are starting to straggle in, but you know what's interesting is you remember when we were sitting there. I don't remember two thousand nine or ten or whatever it was, and we were sitting there talking about houses on the market. And it was crazy. It was like, I don't remember, like 26,000 active listings or whatever the heck it was. It was ridiculous. And now we're still right around that 3,000 some, you know, give or take the day of the week, whatever, at a time. And people are like, oh, yeah, the market's ready to crash. And and I've been watching a lot of online videos from uh, real estate agents. And, and just for the record, just like us, you know, there is no 
exam we have to pass to, to give out free information. There is no bar um, that we have to pass. You know, so it's like real estate agents can spew information. Loan officers can uh, spew information. But what I always really am struggling with is a lot of these people are, are just pandering to the emotions of the consumer and they're not backing things up with facts. And, and I'm, you know, you and I are both that way. We're both very facts based. And you look at the market right now, there's a supply issue. We don't have enough supply for the demand. Now, the demand goes away, that'll be different. But right now, there still is demand on housing and there's not as enough supply. I mean, we're still at like, we just went to like a 30 day market, right? And it has to be what, six months to be balanced. So it, it's we're not so. even close to being a buyer's market yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's funny that you were saying that about realtors. It doesn't sound like anyone has to have anything about truce in, in, the, in the media. And that's every which direction. I mean, you can't believe anything you hear anymore. It's just nuts. Well, you, and you hear what you want to hear. And then, yeah. you know, like I was looking at the, the AI technology behind even like TikTok. And they look at which videos you watch. They look at how long you watch them. They watch if you, you know, like it, not like it, whatever. So then they keep feeding you more crap that feeds into your beliefs. And you go down this rabbit hole of, oh, my God, we're doomed. Or, oh, everything's, you know, rainbows and puppy dogs. We're fine. Let's go have an ice cream cone. So it, it's all about yeah, yeah. It's all about money. Yeah, all about money. It's, so they'll they'll switch the narrative based on what what'll get the clicks and what'll get the advertisers. So it's just yeah. it is what it is. So you kind of got to really kind of search through it. And I think that's uh, um, I think that's our job, Andrew. That we question, gotta, question what you see and what you hear. I mean, I I was watching a bunch of TikToks yesterday. They these clowns in my office want me to get on TikTok, right? So. I'm like, I'm doing so my do we. Yeah. Me and Nick are clowns too. Yeah. I know. You're part we of the clown you. crew, clown posse. <laughs> um, maybe that's why I should be calling my, my, my login, Andy's clown posse. Um, but I was like watching a bunch of videos and I was trying to like find Minneapolis real estate agents. I was trying to find whatever to find, honestly, good feeds of information. And the people that try to be serious are so horrible. And unless you're like an extreme, like, like, this is the way it is, blah, 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 blah. You know, and they, they throw it down your throat and you, you got to believe them because they're screaming at you, right? Or, yeah. you know, they're so mellow that you don't believe them anyway. You're like, they don't even sell a house. And you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's hard to track information sources. And so it, uh, I'm making it my personal mission to help people figure that out. Hey, when, we're t when we talk about the market though, too, I think we need to talk about, you know, not only housing supply, but it also turns into like, um, goods and services from i went i went to eden prairie appliance yesterday and i was talking i said you know what i'm about four months out i want to be able to get these appliances and he's like i mean the list went from like this to about here <laughs> the things that i could actually get maybe in four to five months and uh yeah it was something on this remodel we're doing that's why i kept a lot of the stuff because i'm like i'm gonna have to you know, use these other refrigerators in place of a, I mean, the Sub-Zero fridge or a Thermador one is a year to year and a half out. Made over and, Wisconsin, though. I like it. I like where your head's at. What's that? I said, I like where your head is at. They're made over in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, but you can't get them, so you can't buy them. But. I, uh, I'm a big fan of their products. I like that. I like Wolf. I, I See, I'd rather invest a little bit more into some of those performance. Now, again, you know, some people will argue with you and say, well, a stove's a stove. But you look at like ovens, for an example, and the, the temperature fluctuations. A lot of people don't realize that you set your oven to 400 and the, the standards that they follow will allow that to be between 400 degrees and they go up to like 25% on each side of that. So you got a great recipe, your grandma's recipe, and you keep burning it, or it's still raw in the middle, and you're following that recipe exact, that it doesn't have to be in toler the tolerance is like 20% on each side. So you know what I'm saying, Chris? I mean, it, it doesn't stuff. have to be 400 degrees. You check some of these cheap garbage ovens that you get, and they're 375 degrees when they're supposed to be 400, or they're 450 when they're supposed to be 400, and they burn everything. I, I think we've all been through that, right? It's kind of like the same with the air fryer things. I was watching a guy go, whoa, I, I never put mine over 350. And I'm like, I can't even get chicken nuggets to crisp up until I'm at 400. You know, yeah. so it's like, you know. Yeah, I was told about dual fuel on those ranges. Electric is a lot better for the bakers, I guess. So It is. Yeah. I have the, actually, not to sound like an arrogant guy, but I do have a nice Wolf oven. And I have a dual fuel where it has electric and gas. 
And it's it's absolutely who's who's baking today and what do you like? Really? It's really cool. It's worth the extra money, I think. But yeah. Awesome. What are we doing next, Nick? Hey, I got a couple uh real estate stereotypes I want you guys to check out. I was laughing when I found them. So here we go. Okay, I don't think selling real estate's a personality trade starter pack. <laughs> you gotta get the haircut. Got it. Check. Lisa, yeah, exactly. Eddie, that's you. Lisa, Lisa, really good car. Look good, sell good. Can't wait to start my multifamily fund. What's up? What? Oh my god! And then uh, business casual suit. I don't. I don't think we see a lot of that anymore. We didn't screen this one, did we, Chris? No, we, no. I think it's the younger realtors, like my oh, generation. Use body yeah. parts in their reference there. <laughs> I didn't oh, read that, Andy. Yeah. So that won't be on the podcast part. You of can't it. find good help today. You you just you take what you find, and uh, you. This is what it's supposed to be. This is what gets listeners more shocked and awe. But well, let's um, pull back that slide and let's read it then, Chris. Oh, hey, you see my fountain out there, Andy? I do. Yeah, that's but, the uh, biggest pool I've ever seen next to a lake. Yeah, I know it is. It's got a nice little pool. Actually, I got a client that just did that. He made this huge pond and he's turned it into a pool. And it's like the coolest thing. He's got a big fountain in the middle. Yep. And uh, it's like the, the place everyone wants to go. The, the natural pond pools are, are pretty cool right now because they, they can do them for about half the price. And they just naturally keep turning, you know, the balance of the bacterias and the whatever because they have yeah. plants in them. Yeah. And it's really cool, actually. Yeah. And he built a deck over it. So it's a platform where you can jump in. It's 15 feet deep. It's Jeez, cool. Yeah, really cool. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, those those things. I think you see a lot more um, realtors now, where as long time ago it used to be suits and ties, and now it's much more casual than than it's ever been. And that's at a, a lot of all really all the market um, segments. Really, I mean, except for the upper 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 stuff. Yeah, you know, you know me. I've been kind of Andy since. 99 or whatever where i just do my thing but i don't do i just i'm comfortable and if you're comfortable with me let's do business and i, I don't need to you know if, if the words coming out of my mouth or, or the the record that i have behind me doesn't impress you or doesn't make you feel compelled to want to do business i'm okay with that you want a poser that dresses nice and drives a car that's leased and he's ready to miss a payment i mean good for you you don't think people are intimidated by that hair though i mean this weatherman here yeah <laughs> Thank God they invented gel. That's all I gotta say. We uh, I keep them all in business. Yeah. Bloop. Uh, now we got a girl starter pack. Oh boy. Uh oh. I'm not. I gotta read ahead. Um. The nice hair. Another another lease. And uh, <laughs> probably sells it. What is this? Shops at Zara. Oh my gosh. Possibly yeah. sells with a. She's a boss, a, babe. I wish Shelling Sunset was more accurate. One of these emojis are in her Insta bio. I don't know. I've seen some um, girls, realtors that are kind of like this um, that you guys know. Most, of, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I just, well, I I think, just not as quick with the reading. Yeah. I mean, social media is a, obviously a very powerful thing. And I say it, it it does work. There's no question it works uh, for certain people. So um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to rip it. I mean, we, we're not doing TikToks. We're not doing yes. you know, a lot of videos and stuff like that. But people that are, I mean, it's, it's working for them. So. I, I just, I just have a hard time. It's yeah. a, it's, I think it's a Gen X thing. You know, we, we want things to be perfect. We don't want to look like a fool. So I'd rather wait and figure it out and think about it than to do it. And that, that's where they tell us all in our era that we're making the wrong choice. We should be just doing it. And, you know. Yeah. Okay. So if realtors, like you guys don't do TikToks every day, then what are you doing with your time? We're going to go through a day in the life of a real estate agent. And this segment is going to be brought to you by Andy Prasky preferred home team well they said i could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad andy prasky remax advantage plus andy at prasky.com if you want to email us 
Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales, I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, REMAX Advantage Plus, thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> uh, I think a day. Are you distracted in your office, Chris? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> what was that, by the way? Uh, a wooden backhoe tractor <laughs> that was a gift. And I uh, can't stop playing with it. <laughs> it I, I'm doing CMAs. It sits on my desk. And I'm like, that's so cool. How did they make this part? How did they make, you know, I'm, I'm in awe of the craftsmanship. It is. That is kind of a cool, uh, whatever. Is that a, a front, a backhoe or a front hoe? Or uh, we prefer to call these excavators, Chris. They, oh. uh, yeah, it's pretty cute. <laughs> it is. All wood. It's the whole All thing. wood. Not neat. Except the part hey, I broke already. A hey, quick thing, quick thing. So in the States, um, what does a person who, who runs that usually makes, you think, per hour? An excavator? I it's bet you make job. 25000 a year. Okay. So my buddy does this for a mine in Far East Poland, and he was making $5.50 an hour. Running that machine. Crazy, huh? I know in northern Minnesota, running the ore pits, they, they do – when they are working, um, they make really good money. The average uh, miner is is over a hundred thousand. I think they're like one hundred twenty five thousand dollars starting, you know. So they make really good money. But then when they stop, they just oh, you're done, you know. I think this segment is kind of interesting to me. A day in the life of a realtor. I mean, Andy, could you? Not a real man. <laughs> have you have you what? ever seen their their show and how funny oh. he makes real estate look? Yeah. Oh my God, he's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. What, what do you? I here's what I think about a day in the life is that there's really not um, unless you're a real big time um, prospecting person. I think there's a lot of. I think your schedules are pretty much new almost every day. I, I see us like. I mean, it used to be every Saturday morning. I knew that was set, but now it's every Thursday morning that's set. Yep. Other than that, I don't really have, a, I mean, I would say a set schedule, but would you, uh, I would, I would definitely say our business is seven days a week, yep. even though we might not work seven days a week. Uh, I think it, it changes. Get on call. Yeah. So I'll do it. If I work a, a long weekend and I'm, I'm showing Saturdays and Sundays or have open houses, or if it's during like the parade of homes, mm-hmm. when we're doing that. Um, a Monday might be completely off and maybe a, a Wednesday might be off as well. Right. Or, Hey, you take off during the day and then you show at ho- houses at in the evening, but we pretty much have to work when other people are not working. We got to be able to kind of get them in. To For sure. You have to be available when they want you there. So what's been really kind of cool is that now I more now than ever have actually um, more appointments during the day because of the, the schedules people have. Where they're working from home and they're like, hey, I have a conference call between this time and this time. But if you want to come around around noon, um, I'll take a break. Let's walk through the house. Let's get, you know, figure it out. And I- I've enjoyed that a little bit. It brings a little normalcy to my world. Um, so I can make the nephews, you know, football and baseball games. And um, I-, I like that. I can occasionally get away to the lake, um, you know, uh, which is which is a, a you know, just, it's kind of nice to feel normal. I, I've always said that like a lot of real estate agents over the years, you know, you sit there and you run a career and to be proper and to handle your clients as they need you, you, you do have to kind of be available when, when they need you. Now, do you, do you need to work every day of the week, seven days a week for five years straight? No, but I do recommend that when you're available, you're available um, and be available because in, in, they're going to call you after five at night, guys. They're not going to call you when you want them to call in the mornings. Like right now when we're drinking coffee and playing with the dog in the morning and watching the uh, birds chirp around the old uh, fountain. And and now you get to the point of where it if you're not available and you're not resourceful, there, there's a real value proposition there. And I like one of the things that what I find myself explaining quite a bit is what are the differences between like a flat fee service or like a guaranteed offer or traditional listing services 
And it, it actually surprises me that a lot of people think a pepperoni pizza is a pepperoni pizza. And to that, I say, let's, let's go buy some for $5. Let's go buy some for $25. Let's buy everything in between. And you tell me which is the best pizza. A lot of times it's not the $5 or the, you know, the, the whatever. It just isn't. And it's, but it's food, right? It's food. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, think if you really think about it, it does serve a purpose. Now, are you trying to impress your buddies from high school, and you want to go back to that pizza pie shop that you know you all went to when you were kids, and you let the owner know that you're doing this, and they make it extra, you know, extra, extra, and you know that that's important. I mean, you know, and it's so same thing with real estate. I spend a lot of time helping people understand and decipher the um, the differences, and you know what what's really interesting to me is like. Um, and I, I don't do it to be a, a hater, but I'll tell you what, you know, like these guaranteed offers. Well, if you take a look right now, um, the federal government just fined Opendoor $63 million for deceptive business practices. Huh. I haven't been fined that because um, I don't do that. And are they giving the perception that everything's so easy? You don't have to do anything. We give you all this money, you know, and it, it anyway. Yeah, I think you know, too, we, we look at realtors, Andy, and what percentage do you think of realtors have another job? I mean, it's well, way over half. High. It's way over half. I mean, because yeah. half the realtors don't even sell a house a year. So it's got to be probably 70% of the realtors have another job. Yeah. So their schedule is a lot different. And, and sometimes, sometimes they can be a lot more efficient than the other people that mm -hmm only are in real estate because they have to be more like their time has got to be utilized. Well, you know, a lot of realtors are, Hey, I don't have to make that call. I don't have to do this. And then oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. Cause I don't really have anything going where they're like, boom, boom, boom. And on it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can't afford to make any mistakes. They, they have fewer deals happening. Um, but you know, if you think about being part-time um, like, like you're saying, Chris, they, they have a regular job that supports them. And so in their free time, they're doing what they're really passionate about. Yeah. And it, it, I think there can be a real win there, especially if they're partnered on a team. I, I, I've, I've struggled with people that are on their own when they're part-time because they, they just, I'll have to return the call when my shift is over or when my whatever. On the other hand, if they have a team where there's partners um, where, yep, you can call in the middle of the day, somebody still answers the phone. You don't miss that opportunity to go look at a new listing um, or if something happens, they can respond. It's kind of like going fishing. You know, you, you sit there and the bobber goes down, you wait 10 minutes to get to the bobber. Guess what? Fish gets away. Probably takes your worm with it. And, you know, if you're not there to grab it when it goes, um, I think there's something to be said for full-time real estate agents. And that's, you know, some of the questions I ask people are like, what are you looking for with a real estate agent? Can you deal with a part-time agent or do you want somebody that's full-time with a staff? Yeah. Well, I think sometimes people use that from a, a marketing perspective as well. I mean, those questions that you ask, I mean, you're obviously a full-time realtor, but you don't, are you looking for a, a full-time realtor? Well, what do you mean? Now they're, they're going to ask the other people, you are know, you, are you a full-time realtor? Yeah. You know? so. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great question. Um, and, and, you know, the, the other thing I was like looking at this week, um, and I'm not going to name names, but I will if you call me. Um, the uh, So we had a deal we were working on where there was a discount broker on the other side of the transaction. And the discount broker's like, I honestly don't give a crap what you guys do. I'm making $1,000 and just hurry up and get it over with. Are you going to cancel? Are you going to stay? Are you going to sue us? Are you not going to sue us? I just don't have time for this. That's the person representing you guys. And I'm sitting there looking at this seller who has an issue and they have a problem. This agent is like, I'm not making any money. So hence, I don't care about them. And this person thinks they got a great deal hiring a discount broker that'll do it for $1,000. And I'm like, whoo, I wish there was a video that person would give testimonial and they could play it online so people understand. Now, Chris, let's say you're a retired real estate agent and down the road in, in 20 years, you decide to sell a house and you hire a discount broker because you can kind of monitor what's going on. I get that. You can probably do it yourself, really. You know what I mean? In your situation, I would understand it. But for the average consumer, and then they're like, as the market shifts, I'm like, holy crap, right now you could walk away $30,000 less in your pocket mismarketing a property right now. And why would you do that to yourself? 
You know, Andy, I'm a full-time realtor that's been doing it 32 years and I sell a good fair amount and I won't even represent myself. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just not smart to do it. You gotta, it, it's, it's a, you just, you don't do it. You hire the right person and get it yep. done. So. Yep. yep. I agree. I feel like I keep needing to back up. My head's like way bigger than yours. Hey, are you, you guys really do this show yourself? All right. I'll, I'm going to make my head bigger. There you go. boy. Yeah, there we go. We can see your pool and your <laughs> servants out there better that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, we're going to go into how luxury properties have changed in the past 20 years, and this can be brought to you by Chris Rooney, Home Experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. Well, that now really honest with you, your wife got way better looking now. She was young and cute. Now she's vavoom. Ooh. Yeah, that's a, that's a Spanish term, I think, or wherever she is. <laughs> she's in Spain. That's yep. You yeah. are correct. Yeah. Hey, uh, I think this this to me is a very interesting question in how yeah. luxury properties have changed because you get to see what the luxury properties were now because most of those guys haven't. Uh, redone uh their house but they're starting to we've got different areas like uh parts of the wilds i mean we're, we're talking south of the river yep. like uh, a legends golf course a lot of those were done late 90s early 2000s type thing which is now 20 years and i think uh the big difference uh, a stucco i think is a a, a big difference <laughs> what happened uh size big huge monster houses um, rooms that maybe you didn't use, you know, the big formal dining rooms, uh, you know, eat in kitchens where they didn't have that flex space now. And then I would say lots of woodwork and cabinetry, a lot more expensive stuff. And I think now, um, luxury market, I would, I would kind of put that in with lifestyle as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not only just luxury, it's more about lifestyle and having areas and, and spaces that, that you're going to use rather than just make this a, a palatial estate. Maybe you're going to kind of bring it down, but you're going to add, you know, pools or you're going to yeah. have that one flex room. That's, that's amazing. You're going to put, I mean, back then, obviously the appliances were higher too, but th the things that you enjoy and like to do. And I think in the old days you had to kind of do all of those things. Mm -hmm. So you had to have a theater room, you know, you had to have a wood burning fireplace. You know, I don't know. When, the, when those houses were being built back in the day, though, I mean, you know, you look at like price points and some of those high end houses were 450, you know, yeah. 500 and a regular house was 100. Right. And so they were way up there. Now they're they're You know, with remodeling, my gosh, you could spend another half a million on remodeling a big home like that. Easy. And okay. you know what I mean? And uh, it's, I, I'm curious, what do you think, you know, being the kind of local guy down there, expert on that? What do you think the average complete home renovation project, what, what do people budget? I mean, do you budget at least the original purchase price of the house? Do you have a square foot number? I mean, what or how do you do that, Chris? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, it really depends how far you're going to go on it. A lot of people will kind of kind of do the, the halfway thing where the kitchen, we're not going to totally, you know, renovate it and get rid of it. But maybe we're going to switch out the doors and, and then have them painted. But I would say a lot of these houses are easily in the three to five hundred thousand dollar range that you know they're they're redoing because you do you have to do a lot of stuff you know yeah. it comes to you know trim how about railings you know you're taking out tile and putting in wood floors I mean if you're redoing the kitchen you yeah. know uh, adding well, you know well, barn doors and exterior looks yeah. LP versus stucco. Isn't that, that. isn't that the uh, didn't we didn't we on that one house we bought for the the radio um, we were gonna flip wasn't that renovation like four hundred and sixty thousand 
Oh, and everybody yeah. got cold feet because they didn't think they could make money on it for the yeah. charity. Yeah. Was yeah, that on was. that golf course or was we that on another one down there? It was totally on yeah. Legends. But, you know, it was also 6,500 square feet that you have to yep. redo. But then you got to kind of pick and choose. And that I think that's where people get in a little trouble. And I think if you think you're going to spend 300, you might say it's going to be 500 because you can't, you can't just totally redo a little piece of it, then have the rest not if you're if you're looking to sell. Now, if you're just looking to stay there and this is what works for you, that's fantastic. But you got to be real careful. There's ways in which to be able to, you know, get that next level pricing if you're going to sell. And it might not be some of the things that you want to do, but it's what's going to sell to the public. And they have to get rid of, you know, like brass. I mean, you start going into the brass fixtures, I mean, shiny brass. Not uh, not the stuff that they're using. Not now. the brushed. Yeah, yeah. you you look at you see it in fireplaces. You see it in shower doors. You see it in plumbing fixtures. You see it on door hardware. I mean, you see it on a lot of stuff. And after you start compiling those, I mean, all of a sudden it's fifty grand just like that. Yeah, to be able to replace that stuff. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting um, project because you know you look at like even like with automobiles, and I always relate weird things like that. But you look at a car, for an example. And are you going to bring a complete restoration and, you know, spend $400,000 on a restoration? Or are you going to, you know, just put some fresh tires and give it a tune up and drive it around in original, you know, format, right? And that that's the, with remodeling, it's kind of the same thing. And I think you really need the guy, the eyes uh, or guidance with a local professional to really make sure you're not making miscalculating because, man, you don't want to take a house and turn it into a rat rod if nobody's buying rat rods, you know what I mean? And you spend a ton of money doing it. And all of a sudden, you basically now have a house of rent. You know, I've I've got a listing coming up, Andy. That, I mean, it's it's there, but it could use some more. But then it's if you do some of it, you have to do all of it. And it's I think it's it's it's, it's good enough. But what they do have is they have an amazing lot on a cul-de-sac, but that's very very um, overgrown. Yeah. And what I'm suggesting is that that's where we spend the money, because mm-hmm. people can justify a lot by getting a good lot. So yes. they'll be like, yep. oh my gosh, we've got this. And then, oh, this is good for me, but no, you know what? I, I need to redo that kitchen. And they, they can specify and kind of pick what they want to do rather than us guessing all the things that they might want. Yep. And by getting that lot and making it bigger, like this house, you, it just, everything got overgrown. So you can't really see it. And, it. and it's hard. It's really hard for a seller to be able to say, oh yeah, Chris, that's great. Let's cut down these three trees and basically strip the rest of these guys and open this up. But, oh, my God, what's, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what, Chris, you're, you're a million percent on the money. I, I've got a good friend of mine that in northern Minnesota buys lake lots. And it, a lot of times they're, he buys them really cheap because nobody can visualize what the potential is. And all they do is follow the rules and they clear the trees out or they make a path or they open things up or they trim everything higher um, they do some regrading to make it where now things become, oh, that's a nice slope instead of a, a, a cliff or whatever. Um, or they put the driveways in where the driveway was never in before, just so people can drive onto the lot. Those simple things. And these guys are like doubling their money on these lots. And all they're doing is helping people visualize what could be there. And and that's that's a small-term developer. So when you have goggles on where you're going to buy a high-end home, I think that's fantastic advice that you just gave where – you say, look at the lot, look at the potential, and then decide on pricing because you're right. With an exceptional piece of property, people will decide to make a different level of investment versus if it's, eh, you know, I always look at like Lake Minnetonka and you've got a $5 million house on the lake. And then the guy across the street says, well, geez, there's a fancy house across the street or, uh, on the lake there. I'm going to build my million dollar house across the street. Well, guess what happens to the guy across the street that tries to sell for a million dollars in the future? Everybody says that idiot thought he was on the lake and you wanted to live that lifestyle, but wasn't on the lake. And all of a sudden it sells for 400,000 and you know, or whatever. And it's like, you do have to be a little careful. Yeah. Yeah. I, the other thing I think people don't realize and it, and it's, and it's a thing that people may think about when they're, when they're looking at houses is the maintenance that's involved, whether or not it's uh, acreage, or you, you start seeing overgrown or even on the lake where you can't see things that mm-hmm. they start thinking of that house as, as work. And the more work it is, the, then it becomes a lot less valuable to them. 
And there, it's it's one of those things that if you just get them to look past that, uh, I get the greatest example, and it's uh, my house that I used to have. And I had seven and a half acres, and basically we mowed six acres of it. It looked fantastic when it was mowed. But if I would have left weeds, you know, and then, and kind of let it go and, and not cleaned it up, it would have been a huge maintenance issue um, for the next person. And that's what they would have been thinking about. They're like, uh, and they just passed. And then all of a sudden, that weird um, bedroom that I had on the, on the second floor is all of a sudden, that's the problem. But the reality is, it was like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to keep that mode? Who am I going to have to pay to do that? And I've got to fix it all. And that's going to be huge money. There's another uh, property in Credit River that we went out to look at it and they had a bunch of weeds. They had a landscape company there at the same time of our showing where 15 people came. 15, I counted them. 15 were out there picking weeds and kind of remulching and doing that. And also, I mean, just the ding, 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 alarms went off with the, with the buyer. And they're just saying, geez, it's one thing buying this thing, but we'd have to maintain this thing. That's all we'd be doing. Now you're not enjoying it. But by seeing those workers there and then, you know, slowly doing it, you have to have that stuff done for people. It was a few years ago. I had a, a house that was on a large acreage like that and a lot of mowing. And right. instead of doing a discount or, you know, not having the, the lawn uh, maintained to that scale, they wanted to like let a lot of it go back to prairie. Um, and people were like, oh, I just don't want to mow for four hours a week. And so it got to the point of where we to sell that house, Chris had to offer one year of free lawn maintenance from a company and Smart. the people got to move in and enjoy it. And then eventually they hired that firm and it just became an expense, you know, and, and having that much yard, um, was very nice. And, and it's, you know, well, even if you can get someone to get it manageable and then take it over. So that might, that one year might get them to that point. Oh, yep, exactly. Got to be creative. Good job. He's on he's the beach, beach, isn't he? He did go to the beach. Yeah. He's like, no, I can have breakfast. Don't worry about it. Uh, there, there. This is the script I use when I make cold calls. Bob, my name is Brandon. We've never spoke before, but I was hoping to tell you why I called. And then you can decide if we need to talk or not. Would that be okay? And the reason why this works so well, you guys, is because of human psychology. There's two things at play here. One is psychological reactants. Which simply put is when somebody feels as though their ability to make their own decisions are at risk, they will push back. So we have to get the prospect's permission to have the conversation. So it becomes their idea that they got to decide that we should talk, not ours. And two, which is the principle of consistency. Once somebody verbalizes a commitment, the likelihood for them to behave in alignment with that commitment are a lot higher. Just had a guy do it to me and I listened and I ended up having a meeting with that person because of that exact, what that guy just did to me. Um, but I wish I would have had that 32 years ago when I was, when I decided to do cold calls and I, I retired after three of them. Didn't have that theory. So. Yeah. I, I struggle with, I, I don't, when I was younger, I used to do cold calls for my dad. You know, when we were in, the, he was in the cabinet business and I would call builders and ask them if they wanted, you know, we'd get the keystone report, show yeah. all the builders that pulled permits. And then I'd call them and, hey, looking for a bit on your cabinets. Hey, looking for a bit on your cabinets. Do what to my what? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Goodbye. You know, yeah. it was, um, it was crazy how many times, um, you know, it was ineffective just because you're boring them or whatever. And, and so then I had to change it up too. I got to the point where I got pretty clever. I'd say, hey. You know, I, I might have a way to save you 15% on your cabinet costs and get you a better looking product to sell more houses. Would you be interested in having us take a look at it? They're like, yeah, we would. And all of a sudden, it, it changed the way we were. Also, now we're booking appointments versus before. we. And I don't know if we're 15% cheaper. Yeah, no, exactly. I, uh, I, <laughs> you, <laughs> you're, you're good at it. But I'll tell you what, cold calling has become a lot easier as technology uh, when you have that mojo dialer that is calling three, four people at a time and you're constantly on the phone, because a lot of times with that whole cold calling thing, it was just, geez, no one answers. I mean, 30 calls, you know, and, and you have to dial each number, you know, hey, oh, no, try the next one. Try That's that's what would stop a lot of people. Now they have technology that just dials you and just patches you in. I know when I'm on one, it's, it's that little delay, 
you know, that, that, that happens. And it's just like, oh, geez, here, here I go. They're just dialing everyone. And then they're trying to figure out who I am, you know, when the computer pops up and says your name. So, yeah. But when I say, hi, this is Andy, you do the old, hi, this is Andy. And they go, uh, yeah, hello. Is uh, Andy there? Yeah. I'm like, no, he's not. Yeah, no, he's not. I've been the getting... easiest way real estate agents are making an extra $100,000 every single year. They rent out apartment complexes like this one. Real estate agents approach landlords and real estate holding companies and offer to rent out their vacant apartments. I have the opportunity to rent out all the vacant apartments of this beautiful building. The smallest apartment in this building goes for $1,450 a month. And the largest apartment goes for $2,900 a month. The average rent in the building is about $2,100 a month. There are 70 units and I get paid one month's rent for each unit that I rent out. So if I rent out this apartment for $2,100, I get paid $2,100 in commission. Meaning if I rent out only half the units in this building at an average of $2,100 a month, I'm making $73,000. And there's so many buildings like this one that have vacant apartments. So start renting. For more real estate facts and tips, follow me on TikTok. Nah, I'm good. Uh, I think two things: the the presentation there is, but secondly, um, showing rentals is a total pain. Well, didn't didn't she do a? Okay, let's do her math for a second. You'll make an extra hundred grand a year leasing out a building like this, and then she shows you that she's only making seventy three thousand dollars a year. She's off by what thirty percent. Hey, that and was just one of her buildings, she, Andy. She shows that she's getting uh, one month's rent off every unit. She's not. There's six available units right now in that building. Yeah. And every has a one-year lease. So it's like eventually it'll catch up, but yeah. Hey, it's TikTok, Andy. It's real, Chris. It's real. It totally is. Everything is. It's on the internet. Yeah. Have you ever seen a real estate agent post their listing on social media? It's got the address, the price, and some pictures. The problem with doing this is it doesn't really add any value to the people who are watching you. They could go get the same information on Zillow or any other website. If you're trying to build your social media as a realtor, you should be doing other forms of content. Do entertaining home tours on video. Chop it up into cool TikTok or reels like this. Let buyers and sellers know what's going on with the market and different things that are happening. There are a ton of different ways to do social media the right way to get organic leads that make you money. And at my company, Wealthy Agent, we teach realtors how to do exactly that, plus a whole bunch more. If you want to learn about how we can help you, DM me the word wealth, and I'll send you some information today. True. That one I like better. That These are more like uh, TikToks that are, are geared towards real estate agents. So like you and I go on TikTok, and that's the kind of stuff that feeds the guys like you and me. Um, we got to get know? some, we got to get some TikToker realtors on here. So they can enlighten us and then talk you into it. Cause I haven't been very good at talking you into it. Andy. I just, you know, so, and I'm not, I'm going to say this, this is going to sound a little bit arrogant. If you're already so busy, you don't have time to do it. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to wait until I I'm slower and then I have the time to do it. So I'm forcing myself to carve into it. But what, what part of your day would you carve out to create content that's questionably watched and, or that gives you a maybe return versus a customer that calls you that wants a market analysis right now today, and I'll go do that and make money. You know what I'm saying? Or help that customer, which eventually makes you money, right? Versus the, I don't know. It is funny. We've had, we have agents that I've, I've dealt with in our, in our office and you see, they all of a sudden they, they're doing the right things and they they know what actually is on the forums and they're getting back with their clients and their clients are coming back with them. Then all of a sudden, year seven they're like oh my gosh i gotta do something else i gotta do tiktok videos so it's like okay hold on a minute here you're successful at what you're doing you're you're growing it but it's like you get to a point and then you think you have to keep doing more um in which to be able to do it and 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 yeah maybe maybe you do but you don't have to just flip everything and and go away from what's working for you because it's it's true i mean those videos those videos, well, and Nick can probably tell us. He does a lot of stuff with his um, podcast and stuff. But how long those videos take, and that's if you're able to do it, you know, because you got you got to film it, and then you got to edit it, and then you got to be able to post it, you know. Well, there's there's three of those things that I can't do, and so then you have to get other people in which to do it. Then you're on their time, so that takes a lot of work in which to be able to do well, it. Well, you know, Chris, and here's the interesting thing. So. There, as as different generations process things differently, there's there's um, 
a whole you know generation of Gen Z coming up that they process information in tunnels. And, and I was reading some articles about this, how people process like Instagram. Well, you and I have one Instagram account. We try to do everything with it. Whereas other people will have tunnels of here's my Instagram profile for real estate, or here's my for buying a car, or here's my for my hobby or whatever. And so they may have four or five Instagram accounts as one person. And, and then they, when they log in on that profile, they dig, 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 and they just consume content and they watch all 50 of your videos in a row where they do whatever. And, and they're, that's how they kind of organize their thoughts. And, and, you know, instead of us, like the joking on the, those TV commercials where they say, um, oh, uh, you don't have to print the internet, right? You know, versus that to be something totally that you and I would do, like, see, look at this. Uh, this is what I want to do. And they joke in it, but versus saving it and, and storing it in, in tunnels. And so it's an interesting way to look at it, you know, and then what people will do is when they're when they're not in that mindset, they're not in that tunnel, you're not making impressions on those people. But when they do get into it, you want to have a consistent message. And, and, and that's, I think, the key thing, you know, like you and I, I'd rather go to a, a you know, an event, a golf course. So what? I, there you go. An event. That's, or your that's golf my course. post right there, baby. How yeah. about that one? That, yeah. That's everyday life for me on new construction. That's marketing right there. Some, what I say, some people might call this bad marketing and I call it feel sorry for my agent promotion. I mean, that sign was, I mean, destroyed. And you know, that's a big sign. Those are expensive. But I mean, someone just hit it, re-hit it and hit it again. Oh no, you, you'd have to put effort into making it look like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I do yeah. the same thing on new builds. We'll put them in the front yard. And I'm like, I put it right next to the water post, right? Where the, the city water is a lot of times. And you think they'll, ne they'll never hit this because they can't hit the water post. And I'll come out there and they'll destroy a $150 sign. And it's wrapped up. Must have got around their tire and they spun the tire on it. And it breaks the frames. And then they throw it in the pile like it's yeah. garbage. Totally. And so I started invoicing my, my guys. And the siders were doing it. And then when the siders didn't do it, it was the final grade guys. And I go, I don't think you guys understand. These are $175 a piece plus install. And when you run them over, it's crazy. But it's like, I get that you don't care or that you think it's in your way. So you just run it over to prove a point. Problem is, is that if I don't have those signs in the yard, you don't have a job. Yeah. True. Realtors are necessary evil. Remember that. Yeah. yeah evil and necessary. Wait. Got nothing in my brain. Got nothing. That's funny. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, it, it's uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, there's a reason they can't qualify if they're paying for rent. I mean, people can't get ahead, and I don't know. Well, they, they know. talk about that. Look at the, like the corporate profits of all these huge leasing companies. They're up like sixty percent on revenues. They've been raising rents like crazy. They'll they'll keep raising their rents until you literally are almost drowning, and then they'll slow it down. That's that's the goal is to suck the cash out of you as much as they possibly can. And right now they're in a perfect spot to keep doing it. I, I always talk about my I had an apartment building on 91st and Lindell and we accept we accepted Section 8. And so with doing that, your rents are higher. I mean, for your the quality of your unit and uh, the, the complex right next to us didn't do Section 8. So their rents were less. And I, what's crazy about it. So we go to sell it and we both kind of sold kind of around the same time. We made 400,000 more because the investor looked at it and said, Hey, they're, they're getting more, they're getting more rent than what these people are. Those other units were in better shape. And it's like the things that they think they're doing to be able to help out the poor people is only helping the people make more money. The yeah. people that have, you know, the money they're it's just, it's crazy. That and was not, not too far from that. Devani's you and I would occasionally hit, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know that one. So, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. I've got to probably move for my job. I've been looking at listings and tests anticipation of this. Every single one says sequestered master bedroom. All of them. Really? Hmm. Have you ever heard of a sequestered master bedroom? I, I, I'm going to have to Google the word sequestered. I think that means maybe by itself. I mean, that was a maybe a big, big time pandemic word, you know, but uh, yeah. it is interesting. Now, what are they calling master bedrooms now? 
can't call it a master bedroom. Well, no, well, just, it's just it a primary, the primary bedroom, the primary or the owner suite or the, you know, whatever. Hey, owner is like you're a slave owner. You can't say that either. I don't relate it that way, but okay. I, I don't. Say, that's what they say, though. So, yeah. so uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do I call what? The the uh, the biggest bedroom in the house. Master bedroom. Yeah, that's what I call it. <laughs> I mean, but I think we're supposed to call it the primary bedroom. You know, I don't know. I, I mean, if, if even if you say a bedroom. You might that might be discriminatory towards primary, a primary, secondary. So not as important as you are. Yeah, you're right because I pay the payment on the house. I outrank you, yeah. right? It's it's whoever pays the bills room. It could be a beanbag room. Yeah, I mean it could. You can't. It's hey, these people I, that, I ran into a guy that was in his fifties a couple of years ago. We we uh, got divorced and we helped him buy a townhouse and we were sitting there and we were kind of going through the house and we we're laying it out and. And uh, we were, I like this guy. So I was hanging out with him and he goes, yeah, he goes, well, I need to do some electric work in here. Um, so do you, do you got any electricians that could come in and help me? And I go, sure. The electrician calls me, goes, he's putting neon beer signs up on the walls and he's hanging where the, the old uh, fan used to be. He's dropping a pool table light. He's putting like a full size, uh, like regulation size pool table in his master or his primary and um, he goes he goes and i call him and i go hey what's going on and he goes oh this is so awesome he goes i never really sleep anyway so i just put a futon in one of the bedrooms to sleep on and then he goes and then i set up a game room oh it's so cool uh, i love it hey how we live and how we sell are always two different things hell on boys will be boys that's for sure yeah that's yeah, that's fun good job for him yep Okay, what does this say? Can someone explain how and why apartments can be rented out for an equivalent of a home mortgage in the same area? Pretty simple. The rent for our apartments has been raised from $1,600 to a little over $2,000. And uh, we're purchasing a house with a value of $380 in the same area, and they were quoted about $2,400 a month. Now, obviously, that went up because the interest rates. I'm aware this is incredibly naive, but I've always thought apartments should be significantly cheaper because you're you're paying to have less compared to owning a whole house. Can someone help me understand how that helps or how that works? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, if uh, bananas, all the other bananas are going for, you know, $5, you're not going to keep selling the bananas at $2. So that rent is going to go up to 4 to $5 um, and just stay under those brand new special bananas that are packaged, maybe a little different. But I mean, it's, it's just what it is. It's a supply and demand issue. There's not a lot of rentals. They're just going to push them up. And if you don't have any choice, that's what you got. That's what you got. That's what you get. I think I think that's a perfect example of why realtors just can't believe people rent departments. Yeah. Right? How can somebody be that foolish? And they're like, well, but we'll, you know, I don't want to buy a house and then have to sell it in two years. I'd rather rent. Well, you don't get appreciation on an apartment, guys. You know what I'm saying? It's like the in the event that there's appreciation to be had, right? So mm -hmm. in normal markets, you know, we do have, you know, a four or 5% return and you're making that on top of having the ability to turn that into an investment property. If you have to move, um, you know, rental or whatever you want. And, you know, there's lots of options when, when you buy. Um, one thing is, is that that payment is locked in for 15 or 30 years. And at the end of paying it for that long, they give it to you. You, you lock into an apartment, they don't lock in. They do lease by lease. So every two years, you're resetting your rent, and I guarantee it's not going down. It's going to keep going up and up and up and up as you live there. And at the end of the lease, they're going to say you want to sign another lease 30 years down the road. You don't own anything. Andy, a long time ago, back in the radio days, you said something that kind of resonated with me from, um, on a, from a tenant perspective. And you said that you don't get to decide if you stay there or not. And so it's sometimes people think, hey, I'm renting, I'm renting. I can just rent forever. Oh, no. I'll tell you what happened in the last couple of years. It's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm selling. So the landlord's selling. So now you're out. And it's, so it's not like you can sit there. I mean, most landlords want somebody to stay there for 15 years. I mean, that would be perfect. You know, yeah. pay off your mortgage the whole time. I'd never have to do a, a turn or anything. But that's that's just not the case anymore. So it's like. If you want some sort of, you know, uh, decision on where your life is going, 
you know, owning a house, you can decide that a heck of a lot better than trying to make sure that Andy's going to stay renting to me for the next 15 years because it's not happening anymore. There you go. Look at that. That's I remember that from a long time ago, Andy. You you just I remember a lot of things. I, I you know what's funny is that we when we were uh, you know it was it seemed like it was a different kind of an elevated program at that time when we were doing that. And we'd get pretty deep into some of these topics. And I mean, it was, that was good stuff, man. We'd bring in some of those, you know, like leasing companies, we would do whatever. And I, I think that we should do that again, you know, where we deep dive on some of these topics because there, there's some of them where you kind of scratch the surface and it's light and fluffy, but I think, you know, there's listeners out there and, and viewers that would like to see us dive a little deeper again in that. You know, talk about like, why do people buy apartment buildings? Why do people buy rental properties? Why do, you know, oh, it's because they're rich. Well, that's a very superficial level uh, to think. <laughs> they do it for stability. They do it for income. They do it for tax write-offs. They do it for, you know, return on investment. You know, it, it, there's there's so many, you know, I don't know, other ways to look at things in the world. So we should stop trying to get the attention of uh, the everyday person in real estate and go into the PhD stuff? Well, once in a while. I do think so. I think that there should be once in a while where if we do do a deeper dive, you know, I mean, and I'm okay with, I like what we do. I just, I'm just saying like a lot of times we're moving quick and I'd, I'd like to say, let's bring in an expert, you know, like remember we, I mean, uh, what was her name that uh, she was such a spitfire um, with the leasing company. Yes. Oh my God. I love her. <laughs> she would just literally look at us and like slap us and say, listen, you know, it just, it was, she was fun. When she started talking, though, we could go go get a, a coffee or yeah. get a bathroom break. <laughs> we just let Straight her up go. head to the break room. <laughs> she, she is something else, that lady. Hey, oh. I have a question though about the last topic. Would you recommend anyone to rent over buy? I mean, look at people with like my kind of lifestyle. Obviously, owning stuff is a lot harder, and I'm moving place to place. I would, I would, I would, I would recommend people. Um, to rent in, in certain situations, especially if you're, if your career is um, fluctuating, you don't, you're not sure where you're going next, because there is one thing, I mean, obviously it would have worked out for you for the last few years, but you know, if you do have to turn around and sell it, and let's just say that you are kind of a, a nomad person that doesn't have like a lot of furniture, you know, cause you got to get a lot of furniture and you don't want to move it across country. You got to start factoring in. I got to pay a realtor in which to sell this. You know, I got to I got to stage this thing so it looks good. So I get the most money and then I got to take my furniture and I got to get it to the next place that I'm going. And sometimes I think it's hey, just have, have some flexibility of uh, and just but just know that it's not probably a long term solution. Well, and I, I don't disagree with Chris. I think that there's there's a little bit of a false sense of security with that lifestyle um, that you think it's going to be that way forever. And there's always going to be safety where the rent is cheap or it's always going to be. I'm on the ocean for $300 a week. It, 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 things change, you know, thing, and, and what will happen is eventually you may be forced into finding something that's affordable. Because what if Austin, it goes to $6,000 a week to be in, in Carnes on the beach. Your American dollar doesn't go as far. Like we go to crypto. You're screwed, bro. I mean, all of a sudden everything goes, you know, I mean, I'm ser- being serious right now. Because if everything goes equal, that their $400 is like, let's say $3,000 for us in our American dollars, right? But it transfers. It's the it's the translation that you're making the gap on. That's where you're gaining the gains on it. It's not like it's, they truly only think that place is worth 200 bucks or 400 bucks a week. They think it's worth 3000, but that's their version of 3000 because they want to have that unit leased or, or filled. And so it's, it's just an interesting, you're in a great spot to, you know, explore and see things. And I would do it as long as I could. Um, but then again, you get to a point of where, as you know, you get older and you decide, Hey, I want to have, maybe, maybe you decide to have wife and kids or whatever. And you want to settle. I've got a buddy of mine that's traveling all over uh, Malaysia, all over uh, China. And he has his children, they're traveling and they're doing English teaching at different schools. So they come in and do a segment where they teach English and the kids are, I mean, my God, the it's, it's like watching a TV show, their lifestyles, you know, and then they'll take a weekend and go somewhere. And it's, they do a lot of the same cool things. We're like, they laugh at because uh, they're from New Ulm, Minnesota, and they kind of get a kick out of how cheap they can buy beer around the world. And so he always says, hey, this is a, a beer from Singapore. It's this is. And he goes, I just paid 13 cents for this, you know, or I got I got a, you know, whatever the numbers are. Right. So it's like the um, but it's interesting to see that and explore 
Um, but, you know, I don't think they want to do that forever either because they're healthy and young right now. But what if you're not healthy? You want to be where healthcare is, right? Or you want to be by your family a little more or I don't know, unless you bring them with you like you are now. Cool. Awesome. Another great episode. Uh, make sure to give us a subscription on the YouTube. Give us a like, write a review on iTunes, Spotify, post three digestible clips each week on Facebook and YouTube. Send us in any questions you want answered and we'll see you next week. It's time for the beach. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.